We're all so vulnerable and so broken and so whole and so and we're like all all of the things and letting each other be all of the things is like the the biggest gift because I don't I don't want to have to have it together all the time. Katie Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Dalebout. And you just heard a quote from my friend and today's podcast guest, Misty. She is an amazing, talented musician. She is also a just really interesting, fascinating human being. And we had a really tangential, meandering conversation about body image and eating disorders and spirituality and meditation and family and creativity and music and touring. She's toured with Sarah Bareilles and the band Borns most recently. And she has this amazing solo album coming out really soon that she just recorded in Nashville right when we got back from Hawaii, which you'll hear all about. It's a really long conversation. It's a really special conversation. And I wanted to air it this week because it's National Eating Disorder Awareness Week which, as you know, I'm a huge advocate for healing eating disorders and having a healthy relationship to food and eating intuitively. But also, it's a challenge, and it's hard healing. And I was really vulnerable and honest about where I'm at with my own body image stuff, and so was Misty in this episode. And she mentioned a couple numbers in this episode about weight, and I bleeped them out just because I know for a lot of people that can be triggering. It, it can be for me. And so I just bleeped them out. If you hear that, that's that's what it is. But Misty was super vulnerable and really great with everything she shared. And I know it will make you feel less alone. It will be inspiring and interesting. And I, I just think I'm really excited to share this very vulnerable conversation. So I want to get right to it. But first, I have to shout out some amazing sponsors. C.W. Hemp, also known as Charlotte's Web. We love them, right? They're amazing. Many of you have tried them out already. If you want to feel more calm, if you want to feel more focused, if you just want to feel better, try C.W. Hemp. I really, really love their products, and it's actually pretty funny because our friend Pete Holmes, who we mentioned in this podcast, he loves CW Hemp and shared it with us in Hawaii for the first time. And that's when I used it for the first time and really loved it. And now I'm, I couldn't be happier that they're a sponsor of this podcast. It's a product I actually use and love. So is everything that's a, a sponsor. But this one in particular, I really, really love so much. So if you want to try CW Hemp, this show is also brought to you in part by FreshBooks, which is very timely because it's almost tax season and you're probably getting your taxes together and you probably wish that you were using FreshBooks because FreshBooks makes tax season super easy. Let me tell you, I love them. They are so easy to use. They help you organize your expenses, your business expenses, your personal expenses. They're just fantastic for invoicing, for everything you need to do financially. FreshBooks is the way to do it. So if you want to try it for 30 days free, 
unrestricted trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash let it out and enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. So that's freshbooks.com slash let it out and enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. That's a lot of let it out, but we love CW Hemp. Remember, 10% off, use the code let it out. We love FreshBooks. Again, use the code let it out in the how did you hear about us section. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast in that way. Another way to support it, share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, and just enjoy it. Listen every week. Subscribe. That would be really cool. I love you guys. I love Misty. I'm so glad she did the podcast, and I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And if you know someone who has an eating disorder or you're going through it with an eating disorder, please, please, please go to the proper channels to help you. And I will put links to all the organizations that can help you and all of the people that I recommend to people struggling in the show notes of this episode. Because as you know, I'm a huge advocate for healing eating disorders. And I'm just sending you a lot of love because so many of us have disordered relationships with food and it's okay. You're not alone. And I think that is the most helpful thing. All right, enjoy this episode and I will talk to you at the end with the emoji. Oh, I'm so happy to be talking to you. This is amazing. Yes. You're one of my favorite people and you're so talented and fun to be around. And I remember the first time we talked about doing the podcast together, we were in the hot tub in Hawaii and we were just like, gushing over how much we had in common and realizing it and then I told you about my podcast and I was like oh you have to do my podcast and you were so down and here we are now so yay (laughs) yeah I'm so excited I remember that like it was yesterday I know I know I I remember so much of that week really well because I think we were so present you know so alive oh my god And not on our phones and not, you know, who we are in life, just like who we are as people, souls, which was yeah, really cool. Time was really suspended. Yeah. Away. I, I know. It was beautiful. Um, I want to talk all about that experience with you and like what your perspective of that was. Or, well, I was going to say we'll start where I usually do, but let's just start with that. So how did how did we meet? Where were we? And how did you end up getting there? Because I don't actually remember what your connection to the Ramdas retreat was. Well, so we met at at the fall Ramdas retreat this last November, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, December, November. December, November, yeah. Um, in a hot tub, mm-hmm. and uh, I found Ramdas through the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Um, through uh, the guy I played with, Garrett Bournes, um, he was a big fan, and he was like, you have to listen to this guy. He sounds like a raspy lesbian. You're going to love it. <laughs> and I... Um, That's so I accurate. Was, yeah. <laughs> I think Duncan self-proclaims that, too. <laughs> so um, I started listening to that podcast kind of religiously. I, I, I was really lonely on the road a lot and and really struggling with um my mental well-being and um that podcast really like served this space of um helping me feel less alone in the world by like knowing that there was a voice out there who thought the way I did or like that that way of thinking is possible and um 
And he talks a lot about Ramdas, and of course he like goes up to all the retreats. And so I got really into Ramdas and some other podcasts and some I took psychedelics for the first time because of Duncan and like had all these like wild experiences and um in order to like there were so many times when I was on the road that I like wanted to give up. I just wanted to quit. Um quit touring and quit music and quit life and I I sort of needed this like um excuse to keep going and I gifted myself the Ramdas retreat as like okay well let's just make it through this tour and then I'll get to go to Hawaii and go to the Ramdas retreat and I bet that I'm going to meet some awesome people there that are going to make me feel less alone in the world and I certainly did it would it did everything I hoped it would do um and yeah that's kind of that's that story Oh, that I love that, and that's so. It's it's just it connects so much with me and how I found my way there, and how I think we all found our way there because we had this you know beautiful community there, which I've talked about on the podcast a little bit. But how and and funnily enough, everyone listening will be meeting all of them because all of you guys are going to end up doing the podcast eventually. And cool. yeah, and it's it was really beautiful. I felt like I was hanging out with the cool kids <laughs> and <laughs> we just had such a such an amazing that that was my favorite part. And I don't know if I expected that. I think I hoped for that, but I don't know if I expected to of all the things I would come away with from it. I don't know if that was the one that I thought would be number one, which obviously makes sense that. I think people matter more than any sort of like spiritual experience or any sort of like beach time, you know? Um, but like people are the spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah. We could have been anywhere, you know? We really could have been like in a dumpster hanging out, I think is what I like kept saying on the trip because <laughs> that's how I felt. And it was, it was just like the being present with people. And yeah. that presence I think is is what like Ram Dass's work is is all about but I so relate to what you said about feeling so alone and then having this podcast that made you feel less alone and made you laugh and made you feel connected and that uh, Duncan's podcast I has been great for me as well but I found Duncan through Pete's podcast and Pete's podcast was that for me for a really long time too and, and hearing him talk about Ramdas same thing is, is how I sparked my interest in it and I totally know what you mean although I wasn't touring but just that sense of feeling really alone in the world and, and it's just I think it's good we're having this conversation now to you know that's the goal of this podcast is to make people and myself feel less alone you know and yeah. it's a way to be able to connect with people and for me selfishly to have good conversations and then share them and anyway it's just I'm so glad that that you're here so before I want to ask talk more about the tour and more about what you're feeling but the question I usually like to ask to start which I'm jumping around but I like to start speaking of presence in the present moment like today mm -hmm. right now so because I want to go back and hear about your experience and your career and um, mentally and where you are and all of that and we'll get to it but Let's start in the present. So 
what are you, what have you been learning lately? What has been inspiring you lately? What in the last, like, either today or this week or this month, first thing that comes to mind that you've realized or learned or been inspired by? Oh, wow. Well, you're catching me at a good time because I just, just yesterday had my second session with a hypnotherapist. Oh, cool. That was pretty mind blowing. And, um, is it the same one that Val was telling us about when I was in LA? No, I, I, I forgot that she had done that too. Um, I sort of, I just Googled somebody and found this woman and it turned out to be like an incredible, she's incredible. Oh, cool. I've been hearing so much about hypnotherapy. Anyway, go on. I'm like riveted. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm a big fan. I mean, of course, like everything, I think you need to find the right person. Yeah. Um, But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankfully, I feel like I have, she's amazing. Um, the first session we did, we did two days back to back. The first session I walked away feeling immediately like so much lighter in my skin and my body. And I had so much energy and I was like, holy cow, like it was incredible. And then yesterday I walked away having the exact opposite experience. I was Mm. so lethargic and so tired. I could barely keep my eyes open. I couldn't work. I have so much work to do right now and I couldn't do any of it. I had to like lie down and um, just like a lot. It feels like um, like icebergs are melting really quickly and that, you know, like an emotional detox, you can ride that wave both ways, like super, super up and super, super down. Um, and um, I Hopefully I can articulate like an exact takeaway from it, but it basically just, you know, where I went to her um, and hopefully we'll talk about the eating disorder stuff, but I'm, yeah. I'm in the throes of um, another kind of bout with that and the, the hypo, hyper, um, negative self-talk around food and body issues and it's so exhausting and so damaging and such a waste of time and I'm so frustrated in my head I'm like I just need to go like nip this in the bud like take it out like a cancer um, so that's what prompted going to her and it the the first session that I walked away from feeling super energetic was like she just fed into me all of the all of the things I want to believe about myself, like, um, you know, you're like light and free and um, beautiful and radiant, and, and I'm like, yes, 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 tell me all the things. Just like reprogramming my brain from to that from like, oh, you're a piece of shit. You're yeah. so. Ugly. You're like, you'll never amount to anything. You're um, like, why do you always do this? <laughs> That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to, you know, I feel like even when I do do the right thing, when I'm quote unquote eating the right foods or doing the right things, I still even then have this negative, like I find something to beat myself up about. Nothing is ever enough and um, it's, it's really r- ridiculous. It, it, it's in some way, like 
that kind of perfectionism thinking can propel you and help you be super successful. And then on the other hand, it can totally um, wear you down and wear you out and, and paralyze you. And I've had moments of it really working for me and moments of it really not. And I feel like I'm, I'm coming to a time when it's like, wow, this is really not helping. And it's, it seems like it's this hum- humility thing, but really is it just like another form of narcissism that I'm so self-obsessed and sabotage <laughs> That was a mouthful, but... No, um, that was great. I think, first of all, it sounds like hypnotherapy is kind of like this massage for your thoughts to try to kind of pluck out those negative ones but they're so persistent they're like weeds and they just come again and again and I I totally relate to that and let's I I wanted to talk about this anyway and it's so you know perfect that you brought this up because like we were saying we connected so much because we have you know a similar like so many women most of the people listening have an experience with this and it's so really deep within us that it's such a challenge to move through and what's interesting is that okay so Misty I remember meeting you so that whole week for me was amazing and great but also I felt so self-conscious like the entire time and it was this sense of like I was around these really cool talented people who I just liked so much and I wanted them to like me and I didn't really like myself and you know still am working with that right and so it's all about like shifting that and that was what the whole thing was that was like the whole theme of all of it was liking other people and and liking yourself but I remember meeting you on the beach the first day And you had, like, the coolest swimsuit with a zipper, and your hair is, like, so naturally beautiful, and, like, you've got your cool bangs, and, like, you're just so beautiful. Like, just for people not to, like, amp up the physical here, but, like, Misty is insanely gorgeous. And then I, like, talk to you, and you're like, oh, she's not just a pretty face. She's, like, so nice and cool and genuine, and, like, you just have this spirit about you where you just hug someone and you're like oh she's so present with me and you just were such a beam of light and then I found out how talented you were and I heard you sing and I heard like I heard about all the different projects you're in and it was just like you kept elevating and it was like blowing up a balloon like you were just like kept getting cooler and cooler and cooler and then like a few days later I think maybe even towards the end of the the trip or I don't know maybe more towards the middle we started in the hot tub you and Val and I and 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 Jess we were all talking about somehow we were talking about body image and feminism and it came up that you struggled with the same things that I did and like you just shared all this now and it was another like watershed moment for me to be like oh my god I'm not alone like this person who I've like put on this pedestal that I'm admiring so much that is just so beautiful and amazing has the same shitty thoughts about herself that I do and it's all the same yeah and it like simultaneously made me so sad that you know this person that's my friend that I love is feeling this way because I know how terrible it is but also at the same time weirdly made me feel less alone and that's why one of the reasons I was like so 
you know, happy to have this conversation. But anyway, I wanted to like share that with you. Is it's really interesting? Like we, I mean, I did the same with you. I I'm, I like met you. I'm like, who oh, is this gorgeous girl? Like you have this perfect body, and you're like so like smiley and beautiful. And I I did the I did the same thing. Just like it, like um just and I would I just assumed that you would have it more together than me because you um because you're so beautiful mm-hmm. and we assume we assume these things about each other and assume that we're all alone and I just think that somebody um it's just a malfunction in the programming like somebody programmed they were like don't let the don't let them get too don't let them know how powerful and strong they are pit them up against each other because if they do know how powerful and strong they are we, we will be annihilated yeah <laughs> you know like we have the capacity to as like not only like i want to include men in this but but womankind as an entity we are like so incredibly powerful and I feel like we've been um, sabotaged to feel like we're we're not, and we have this. It's just and it's just faulty wiring, which I think is what the hypnotherapy is about. It's like this is wrong. It's not your fault that you've been thinking this way, but it's wrong, and so now it's your responsibility to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read this Marianne Williamson book like a couple of years ago, and I wish I could remember exactly what it was. But it was there. There was basically this line. It was it was almost like a prayer, or probably was a prayer of like heal my right mind. Like it was literally like a circuit has been turned off, and it was just like asking the universe of like heal my mind into how you know it is supposed to be around this particular <laughs> issue, you know, and. Yeah. I had a therapist like a couple years ago explain to me because I was just I was having a, a you know what I call now like a bad body image day you know where I just like I'm fine in the morning and then like at noon I catch like a weird look in a you know mirror where I like my pants start fitting weird or whatever it is and clearly like I haven't drastically changed size or shape in the in the 24 hour period but like I feel completely different about myself than I did in the morning or whatever and she was saying to me she was like you know if it wasn't this for you it would be something else you know it would be like weirdness with money or with really like and I trust me I have like all you know I've got weirdness in lots of areas but I think that sense of like oh this is like that like prickly sword in my spine you know that we have that like this is kind of where things go to when thing our thoughts go to when other things in our life are off balance like we make it we go back to the body or we go back to you know food or we start thinking because it's a default you know in christianity i don't know what if you came up with this but uh, i grew up in the church and in christianity it's like paul said it's the thorn in his side it's like that thing it's kind of the thing that that keeps you humble because if we didn't have that thing, we'd spin off into like ego, egomaniacal maniacs and think that we were God. So we have to have like a tragic flaw in order to um, keep our feet on the ground and keep uh, us working toward um, 
loving everybody. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the the suffering, um, the like us persevering through the suffering is what helps us help each other. Yeah. Oh, which is so you know like I it infuriates me to say it even out loud because I just want it gone like I want relief right. I know that this thing is is what's helping me to help myself and it's helping me to help others it's helping me to help people it makes me more honest or you know like it makes me um, work harder and um and it makes me keep searching and, 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 you know, so we go, we dive into the depths to like bring back uh, these treasures. treasures. Yeah. And show each other like, Hey, look, this is what I found. And you're like, Oh my God, I found that too. And I found it a different way. Let me show you how I found it. And then we, we like, you know, have this, we have something to connect over and that's all we want is connection and so we connect through this suffering that brings us to such love. Mm. Yeah. Um, I love that. My, my, one of my mentors, Gabby Bernstein, has this line where she says, our purpose is to heal and then teach people how we healed, which mm. is essentially saying everything you said. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, what do you – I want to know, like – when did this start for you, the the body stuff? And then growing up Christian, you know, I guess that's a whole other topic that I, you know, would love to talk more about too. But, you know, that, that line you just said about, like, the suffering, like, where, before you tell us, you know, like, you're, kind of how this all started, but where are you with that now? Because I agree with Paul or with that sentiment, but at the same time, it's like, do we, maybe we don't need to suffer, you know, maybe we don't, maybe the struggle, we can let go of that and still be okay, and I don't know, I don't know, I guess I'm just, like, wrestling with that, because, yeah, I don't, I don't want to struggle, you know? I know, I don't want to struggle either, I mean, I, I guess, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not technically a Christian anymore, I still, obviously, like, there's parts of that that are just kind of in your DNA as a, as a American as I am, like generation upon generation of American. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I, I don't know. I, again, like there's part of me that wants this suffering to end and thinks that that's possible. And we're, we're, we're sort of like on this trajectory toward enlightenment. Is it that what enlightenment is? You're just like, ah, I get it now. And it all dissolves. But when I get glimpses of that, I, I've had glimpses of that in meditation where I'm like, oh my God, I could just float into that oblivion and stay there forever. And then this other thought comes in that it's like, how boring. <laughs> and it's sort of like we've set up this game on this earth to, to just entertain ourselves. We're like, what if we go to earth and like, mess everything up yeah just see what happens <laughs> like see how we like claw ourselves out of it <laughs> so I don't know if like getting rid of the suffering is actually the goal is yeah like it's more like 
the process. I think we're I think we're more excited by the process than we are about the end if we're really honest yeah yeah no that's I feel like Duncan talks about that really well about like you know how he says we come here in like these meat suits and you know we (laughs) chose to be here and we all had like our dharma of why and we're gonna figure that out and enjoy the game of it and it will be what it's going to be and that will probably be interesting you know like it's a it's a good story i think that's you know yeah. that's kind of we what life is about story. yeah and maybe enlightenment is in just the acceptance of that N- not not needing to find peace or or like absolute bliss but like kind of just surrendering into the um, the t- the everything the the suffering and the joy and the pain and all of it it all kind of melts into one thing. Yeah. Oh, that was so beautiful. I love that. So <laughs> let's go back to you a little bit. So when did this stuff with the body really start for you? Um, I think I started like self-medicating with food as a child um and then and was sort of I feel like I became aware of my body around I don't know maybe age nine or ten or eight somewhere around there mm-hmm. um and maybe in high school realized that I'm different than other than normals in when it comes to food, at least. I mean, everybody's got something, but um, I sort of, I, th- I think I was like a, f- a freshman or sophomore in high school, and I realized like I'm thinking about food constantly, and my friends aren't, and they, you know, so I, I othered myself um, in that way, and and f- fine, I th- I think. Um, really started shaming myself even more over that. Like, they're better than me because they don't think about food and want to eat it all the time like I do. Did you have anyone you could talk to about that at that time? Or did you hold all of that in? I held all of it in. I, no, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I sort of talked to one of my girlfriends, but she didn't understand. It's one of those things that if you don't yeah. suffer with it, it's really hard to understand what someone's going through and yes. she's like what I do is just I eat and then if I want to eat more I wait 20 minutes and if I'm still hungry then I eat again yeah. I'm like oh that's great that sounds really nice that you have <laughs> really n- normal thought about <laughs> how to eat yeah. healthy. I'm just like how much food can I eat all at once until I don't feel anything anymore and like, h- how much could I possibly eat until I feel like I'm going to explode? <laughs> That's all yeah. I care about. Um, and then simultaneously then like, oh, my God, now I'm getting fat. And now what do I do about that? Oh, I guess I'll go run five miles. Or I guess I'll go throw it up. Or I guess I'll go um, just be depressed in my room and think about how 
bad I am for having just binged on a pint of ice cream or whatever. So was, I think, you know, with these behaviors around food, because, again, so similar to my story, was, I always think the the answer to this is yes, but um, was this, what were you trying to, you know, I always think, like, overeating, not eating, you know, throwing up, whatever, it's a coping mechanism because mm-hmm. we don't want to feel a feeling we don't want to feel, you know? So we turn to, for us, it's food or denying food or, or abusing food or whatever. Um, for other people, it's, you know, drugs or relationships or work. And, you know, I've dabbled in, like, those things as well in an unhealthy way. But um, mm-hmm. like we were saying before, like our, you know, thorn in our spine or whatever, I always thought that expression was sword until this moment. So I'm glad I learned that it's actually thorn. <laughs> Um, our sword slash thorn in our spine or side, whatever, <laughs> is food. Um, but anyway, so what do you think it was that you were trying to cope with at that time? And, you know, what were you not wanting to feel? Was, or was it that was that the case for you? I think it's the same thing that it is now, which is just, which is rage, like utter rage um, over... Um, you know, abandonment issues with my my mom and and emotional abandonment issues with my dad and um, some other, you know, like just family family drama. Um, and I was just desperate not to f- to feel. Um, I, I, my my mom at once was my angel and I wanted to protect her and love her but she, she also um, betrayed me and left me and, and so I think I was really conflicted about how to, f- to feel about her and couldn't be honest with my feelings to myself about her um, literally until like this year mm-hmm. so um uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely that. That'll do it. That's heavy. That's yeah. <laughs> um, so during that time and now, and, and we kind of like half mentioned this, and I want to talk about it a bunch more, but you are an artist and you've, um, you're an amazing musician. So was art part of your life in high school? And were you able to kind of channel some of this rage and some of these feelings into your creative work or when did that start when did you know you wanted to be a musician how did that kind of come into play I knew like I think I was five when I knew singing to Mariah Carey oh in the no music. way yeah I like I knew really really early that I wanted to do music and yeah it was music saved my life music was um everything and I poured myself into it uh, when I could. It got a little tainted along the way, but um, man, those first like 10 years of being in love with music was like so great. Um, and, you know, because the, the negative self-talk kind of, it finds its way, it wants to like muddle everything up for you 
not just your body and food stuff. So it found a way to like shame me over music too. I could never ever be good enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like the last three or four years of my creative life have been a little bit of a, a rebirth. Um, since like it wasn't since I was 12 that I felt this connected to music um, and let myself enjoy it again and let myself let it be an outlet. Um, I don't know how it got so muddled, but I'm really, I'm really grateful to be clawing out of that because God, music is so amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me so <laughs> happy. Singing is so cathartic and like hypnotic and great. And, and you're healed. so talented. Oh, oh my you. God. Yeah. Um, a couple things that I was thinking about while you were talking about that, the, what you were saying about the inner critic being, it's the same like tone of voice of the one critiquing your body as the one critiquing your creative work and, and your relationships, your everything. I I totally Mm -hmm. relate to that. Have you read The Artist's Way? Yes. I love that book. That was a life changing book for me. Val and I are doing it now. We're like going through the the weeks of it. We're on week four, I think. And, oh my god, that's exciting! What's week four? Uh, the one about where you like go through your childhood stuff. So we yeah. just we've been doing like a little like book club with of two <laughs> for it, and um, yeah, game changer, right? Game changer, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it reminded Allow- me of that when you no. said that allowing yourself to be a kid again and like do things that you love doing. Yes. uh, Yeah. It was, God, I should probably do it again now too. Do it with us. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'd love that. It's, it's been really, really great. And I think, you know, I think it's all just about being gentle with yourself, which um, is so hard and hard for our personality and our temperament, you know, as, as someone, you know, I'll speak for myself, but, I think it's really similar with both of us. You know, I have this like deep tendency for melancholy and depression that I, anyone who meets me like would never know because I push so hard to not show that. And I've done that internally in a lot of different ways and it's manifested in different ways. But I think having some sort of creative project makes that like situational depression go away you know like if I am productive or I like make something I feel good about I can like ride on that for a week you know what I mean yep yep yeah it's so interesting so when you were a kid when you found Mariah Carey how did you know that you like really wanted to how did you like get into music was your family musical did you what were some of like your early influences what kind of music did you listen to how did you know that you actually wanted to pursue this professionally well my parents when when me and my brothers were really young they just kind of like threw us in a bunch of stuff like t-ball and piano and just saw what stuck and um I just, I happened to be, like, talented at piano, and so I I kept getting, like, kind of promoted in our group classes, and, you know, my grandma saw that I had some talent and and found me, like, a really good piano teacher, Um, 
in Las Cruces who had gone to Juilliard and you know she she kind of paved the way for for me to you know get an education a, you know further ed- my education in music and all the while I was like listening to Mariah Carey and Boys to Men and I like really loved um, that 90s R&B and yes. and then I got to country when I was around nine and like I saw this movie called um, Thing Called Love which is about a girl going moving to Nashville and trying to become a songwriter and I was just like that that I don't know that is what I want to do and um so I got obsessed with Reba McIntyre and like decided that I was going to be a songwriter for her or wanted to be her I couldn't tell which one but um I got you know just really obsessed with that idea and and then eventually you know when I was a little bit older I got into like Fiona Apple and Radiohead and Tori Amos Tori Amos was a big one because you know all the piano stuff I was um being classically trained and and but also really into pop and and singing and so that she really kind of married those two worlds together um same with Radiohead is like really complicated um musically which was really intriguing but but it was also so emotional in a way that like the classical music I was learning with my teacher wasn't so I feel like Tori and and Radiohead together were like my biggest um, formative year influences. Um, and were you yeah, the only oh, one in your family? Were, do, were your brothers musical? So you're, are, remind me again, you have, you're the only girl, right? You have just brothers? Well, I have two stepbrothers, um, one of whom passed away a couple years ago, um, and two half-sisters that I did not grow up with. So okay. my, me and my bros were in the house together, um, and they were more, my older stepbrother is like more brainy. He's a lawyer and, and, um, Zach, the, the stepbrother who was my age, who passed away, um, was more into sports and sort of like, um, he was a physical therapist. Um, so no, I was like, I was kind of the only one. My, my dad dabbled in playing guitar a little bit, but he was, you know, just, you know, playing like a couple Elvis songs for fun, nothing yeah. um, too crazy. So you were the musical one? I was the musical one. That's so great. So then did you, when did you realize that you wanted to, what happened after high school? When did you realize you wanted to move to LA and kind of how did your career come to be? Well, so I got into jazz um, in high school as well and started doing that. I sort of found a way to like start making money with music, but by playing jazz and, and also like it, it kind of propelled me into this community that I really liked. I liked jazz musicians and I liked hanging out with them. So I got really into jazz and I, I was like, this is going to be the way that I get to go to college basically. Um, and so I, um, I wanted to like learn as much as I could about music so that I could write anything. And was like, if I can understand jazz and the theory that it takes to play that, then I can literally understand anything, which is kind of true, but not really true. I had to like unlearn a bunch of stuff after school um, in order to like get back to the like core of emotion and songwriting and stuff like that. But it it did like serve a purpose. Um, 
so I went to, to college in Ohio at a conservatory there at the University of Cincinnati. And then after that, I moved to New York City to, like, be a singer-songwriter. I was like, I'm done with jazz. There's no way that I'm ever going to, like, make it as a jazz musician, nor was that really what I had intended, even though I kind of started drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Like, I, I entertained the idea of maybe trying to do that, and I was like, not a chance. So I started singing, and I started writing seriously and and doing it in public which was a big thing like I I, I hadn't I never sung in public um, I was really afraid of people hearing my voice really um, I would yeah. never ever guess that yeah I was terrified I totally hid behind the piano wow. for sure for a really long time until I was about 22 wow and then I was like I gotta do this so I went to New York just did a bunch of open mics and did made a lot of really bad music um <laughs> and um yeah eventually there I made my first record and I met my first like really like great group of musician friends that helped me um make cooler music you met Jess uh, there too because you guys kind of came up together in Brooklyn right yeah, we were we were running around in the same scene there, but I we actually didn't meet until we had both moved out here to LA. Oh, well, that's huh? not true. We, we met. Um, so I started playing um, keyboards and singing backup for Sarah Bareilles, and um, Lucius opened for her for a tour. I had already known who they were, but um, we hadn't met yet. And and then we met on that tour um, as I had already moved out to LA and became fast friends like there they're such great people the whole band and and then shortly after that she moved out here too and then we became friends for real then oh cool so for people listening to loop them in jess our friend who is also with us in in hawaii she is part of lucius which is amazing and she's also doing the podcast but anyway that they were in new york together and now we're all friends <laughs> and here we are yeah. so you're in new york you're doing getting some really cool projects and you things are things start taking off at that point do you become more comfortable in your skin what's going on with you mentally kind of like up to that point you aren't or you had started touring with cerebrellis at that time um that happened a little bit later first um I, I guess when I was about 24 is when the food stuff really came to a head and I I was in New York, um, and I had started doing the master cleanse, like, once every three uh, months. Not the and master the, cleanse. The master cleanse. <laughs> the effing master cleanse. <laughs> I feel like we all in this world have, like, an experience with the lemonade potion. <laughs> you know, it was fascinating because that was the first time I realized if I have no food, I'm fine. But as soon as you introduce a little bit of food, I'm I'm out of control. Right. Like I can live in the extremes. Right. I can either binge or I can eat nothing. But I can't eat just a little bit. And I went through a year of that. Totally messed up my metabolism. Like to the point where the the fifth one, the fifth master cleanse I did, I didn't lose a single pound. I and like that spun me into a psychotic anxiety depression. Like. Mm. Um. And I called a friend 
of mine and was just like, I am at my wit's end with this. And she, she helped me find a therapist. She basically found an eating disorder therapist for me. Shauna Zell is my friend that found the therapist, this woman, Susan Weisberry in New York City. And so I went, I started going to um, her and it was a very, very slow two-year process of healing with her. But I, I got through a lot of um, my eating disorder issues with her and at the same time, like, was... Um, met my first love and was in a relationship with him and like you know being loved for the first time really helped me um come to some acceptance with my body and he was really um healthy about food and grew up in a family like an italian family and he cooked for me all the time and at first it was like i can't eat pasta with cream are you fucking crazy yeah but eventually he was like no this is i can eat pasta with cream because i can eat uh, a little bit of it until I'm satisfied and then I can stop. Yeah. Wow, what a concept. Um, I so, think that's so common. Sorry to interrupt you, but okay. that people in the eating disorder community that I keep talking to, that a relationship can be either really helpful if the person is a nor- you know, what we call a normal eater, um, mm-hmm and has a healthy relationship with food and their body, which, you know, with men is way more common just because they have less to deal with on the, um, you know, body image side. And it can be so, so healing and helpful when that happens. And then on the other side, if they don't, if the other partner doesn't, it can be so damaging. And, and like, I've heard that too. So that's so great that, that you had that at that really like pivotal time for you where you were still like malleable with what was happening in your mind to have someone like that that was grounded yeah he was it was it was really great um I've had both like so uh, he was at least with the food stuff like it brought me to it brought me through a lot of 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 I became my relationship with the food became a lot healthier, but then I replaced the drama with food with other things that were way more damaging. And he was a little bit part of that, but then like getting out of that relationship was a part of that. Like I just I I finally became you know the my self that I had always dreamed I'd become. And then and then like all of a sudden I was making all these messes with men and. Um, and, and causing, like, that's when the real problems kind of started. Once the food issues were, were, um, what's the word for like, uh, they're still there, dormant. Mm, Uh, Yeah. I thought they were gone, but they were just, they were just in remission while I was wreaking other havoc. (laughs) Yeah. And we just like transfer addiction, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's so interesting that the, the what I've been working through when, now that the eating disorder has like reared its ugly head again this last year is like okay now I have to look at this straight in the face so that when slash if I get in another relationship or some other thing that distracts me from the food comes along I don't totally destroy that with the the disease of the mind that I have that makes messes and picks on something um 
whether it's food in my body or whether it's my partner and and whatever is I think is wrong with him or whether it's like you know screwing a married man or you know like the food is just the tip of the iceberg um and so what are some of the things that you're doing like how do you you know, come, we'll circle back to like what kind of happened next in your career and like in the in the like, chronological story. But like jumping up to the present now, what are some of the things that you do now to be, you know, what I call like being a like I do so much shit, you know, to like make me just okay to like baseline be in the world, you know, like I meditate and I drink my this sort of tea and I talk to people like you, you know, like there's so many things. What are you doing now to? Like, what kind of self-care things do you do? Um, you know, do you meditate? Do you, like, what What are you working on now? And, like, where are you with it? I do all the things. I meditate. I exercise. I've stopped drinking. I've stopped caffeine. I've stopped smoking. I'm, like, I'm really, like, militant, especially at this moment in time, to, like, really get to the heart of of my mental illness because it feels like... Um, it really feels like life and death at this point. I had uh, my my stepfather committed suicide this last year in May, and um, so I feel like on t- with his death and my brother's death yeah. kind of yeah. compounding on top of each other, I'm like, oh, all the demons are... Uh, I thought they were just ghosts I was punching at, but it turns out they're real, and, and nobody is going to do this work for me. I have to do this work and I have to figure out how to not meet that end because it's totally possible and it's my responsibility not only to myself but to the people I love to be as healthy as possible especially now in this like crazy world that we're living in with like Trump like it's more important than ever that we show up for each other and I've never had more of a fire under my ass to like eradicate the weeds like just pull out all of the weeds in your heart and get good for not just for yourself but for your fellow man like we owe it to each other to to work on this stuff otherwise people are tapping out and they're tapping out in the wrong ways that end up hurting the species (laughs) oh my gosh you are so inspiring you are so cool i i can't (laughs) believe all that you've you know, when you shared that with us, with me, when, when we were in L.A., I just that that's such a heavy thing and that, you know, you're really, you know, my, my friends here, they would call it um, GTI, going through it. <laughs> and yeah. you're totally GTI, you know, like you, but I would have never known it because you're really, you're, you're doing it, you know, you're doing, and I, I find that for myself, you know, like I have to go to my exercise classes and I have to meditate and I have to, you know, like eat this certain way and do enough interviews and, and work enough, but not too much. And, and really like, I think Val and I were talking about this the day we, we hung out and did yoga booty ballet, speaking of mm-hmm. exercising together. That was super fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was like such a great night. We should talk about after, but anyway, I, I think it's like what we were saying was like, we got the combination right that day. And, that's why I think we felt so good the entire time in, in Hawaii, too, was, like, and, I mean, there were ups and downs there, I'm, and there were for me, I'm sure for everyone, but, like, oh, I, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's that combination of, like, 
a lot of days I don't want to go to a class or I don't want to sit down and meditate or I, I do want to, you know, overeat or overwork or overthink, you know, and, and I do do those things. But the days when I remember how good I feel when I don't and I make the, you know, quote unquote right choice, which is really it's just the right choice for me because as I've gotten older, I've understood the combination that makes me feel as an, like an okay adult person in the world and mm-hmm. there's so many different elements to that and it's just it's so cool that what you're saying of like you know I think what this all comes down to is getting self-awareness you know it's like getting to know yourself to know what works for you and to know what doesn't and then like the next step after that which I I'm not even always there but is to actually do those things, you know, to actually like, okay, you've got the self-awareness and some days you do it and some days you don't, but it's the days that you don't not beating yourself up about it and just being like, oh, it's okay and moving on, you know? Right. I feel like that's the key for me right now because I have a tendency to be, you know, um, a little bit all or uh, nothing all or nothing, and, and, and that's not fun either because the thing is like yes I've eradicated like basically all of my vices and I'm still you know I'm gonna keep doing it to to try to get to the heart of things but it's so that I can have a couple of glasses of wine when I want to I can like smoke a cigarette I can have a bowl of pasta and not want to kill myself like I, I feel like allowing for ourselves to be human my my militancy is to sort of get back to a a place of um uh what's the like the middle way you know like the Buddhist moderation set. yeah moderation yeah. um because this isn't a way to live forever it's no fun to like not let yourself have any fun yeah it's not, so good you're and, saying that um and it it's not a life but it's an experiment and I'm trying to stay with it so that I can honor myself by letting myself eventually live, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like really live. And, um, and I want to be really sober for showing up for that and doing this hypnotherapy and like just presence. <sighs> yeah. It sounds like presence. I think, you know, extremes, I wonder if this, that all or nothing mindset that we were just talking about, I wonder if that's a, I'm assuming it probably is a common eating disorder mindset because I know I have it and I think extremes are easy, like they're easy for me, I can be a very disciplined person, like if I decide I'm, you know, going to do a certain thing, I do it and that's it and then if I don't, I hate myself to a level of, like, I just know how much I'll hate myself, so I'm just going to not even go there. I'm going to just do it, you know, even to the point of it being damaging, which is silly. But I think moderation, some people are just born with that way of being where it's like, oh, yeah, I ate a bit too much today. That's okay. Moving on. Where it's like, for me, it's just this huge thing that I'm thinking of and I can't get out of my mind and it throws Mm -hmm. off my day or my week or whatever. And it's, um, you know, I think that's the, that's the thing to let go of. And I think it's that, you know, again, for other people, this isn't, you know, some of these things like, and I, I would go around too saying like, and 
I think it's the same for you probably. Like we feel a lot of feelings and have a lot of um, thoughts and we have all of these, you know, emotions about us. And and for you, you know, you're an artist and you do so many things. And I think that's maybe not something shared by all of humanity. I mean, I think it is shared by all of humanity, but I think other people... I, don't, I guess I'm probably not, like, articulating this well, and I hope I'm not, like, isolating people by, like, the way I'm explaining it. But really, I guess it's just more pronounced, you know, in, in us. Whereas, like, some people are just – it's just a little bit more even. You know, there's not so many, like, ups and downs, and, and moderation is, like, a bit easier, you know? I don't know if I'm saying this right. Oh, you, you're totally – I know exactly what you mean. And I, I've, I've had the good fortune of, like, running up against – some people like that in my professional life finally were like, oh my God, you really are just like more even keeled than me. And um, I'm so happy for you slash jealous um, slash. Uh, but what, what comes with my crazy mind is, um, <clears throat> you know, like maybe a little bit more. And this isn't. Um, not saying better or worse, but like a little bit more capacity to go into the heart of darkness to come back and like share it with others. And I think being a writer, being an artist, you kind of need to have that capacity and and be brave enough to let yourself go there. And I'm, I won't. Um, well, I will. I'll call myself brave. I think I've been. Oh. Dude, you're so brave. Yes. Everything <laughs> um, you've been through and are going through, you are the definition of brave. Your picture is like next to brave in the dictionary. Oh, thank you for saying that. But I, I feel like we we all want to do that for each other. At the heart of all humans is we all want to love and serve each other. That is our basic instinct. I really believe that. And um, so it's not like I'm, you know, like good for me. I'm doing that. It's just like it's just that's that's our service. That's our service as artists is to be a little bit of a martyr to um, um, emotions and to dark feelings, but also to light. Like holy moly, the love and joy um, I've been able to experience because of the things I wrestle with is like incredible and I wouldn't trade it you know I do all of this crazy shit again if I was given the opportunity I can't even believe I'm saying that but I would yeah um and I was gonna say something else but I forgot well hopefully it comes back to you but I was just gonna say I think you know what I was saying before and what you were saying too about like almost being jealous of the people who can be more moderate or you know not have the extremes that that we have I think it's just about being grateful for the way that we are and you know it's like everybody with curly hair wants straight hair everyone with straight hair wants curly hair like I'm sure you know grass is always greener basically but Mm -hmm. I think you know Julie Cameron talks about this in the artist way too that that vulnerability that it takes to take your deepest darkest experiences and share them and make art from it, whatever that might be, is it allows for this capacity for 
deeper human connection. I mean, that's that's even been the, the case for me with, like, the little bit of that that I've done of, like, I'll never forget, you know, when I first shared about, you know, all of my stuff with food and my body. And, you know, now I, I'm, like, a mode about it all over the Internet. But the first time I did it, it was just, like, so terrifying and awful but then so cathartic and connecting and it made me so it helped me relate to so many people which which I love and is you know why I can you know do this podcast and and talk about these things that I think it's good we're at least talking about this now I don't know yeah Yeah, it might not fix anything but but having the conversation like just takes the edge off you know Maybe helps people feel less alone. I mean, I'm feeling less alone by the minute of this, so. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm so ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to rage, like, or what you were saying at the beginning, I thought of this. I think, don't you feel this way too, that, like, getting angry, you know, when you think about weight as a femin- feminist issue and you think about, you know, it as like a social issue and you think about discrimination you think about you know how women are being oppressed and you think about you know we're physically trying to make ourselves smaller right like it's crazy and when you think about you know all the diet industry and even now that you know the health industry and like all the propaganda with all of that stuff when you really start to think about that and get angry I think that can be a great ally and great motivation and actually healing your mental health and your relationship with food and your relationship with your body image and, you know, like utilizing that rage for a good cause. You know, when I get angry with like the way that, you know, when I look at like fat politics and I look at, you know, the bias around that and gender and and all these things, it that's my greatest motivation when I'm like listening to a podcast about that or I'm I'm like yeah 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 and I'm like feeling so good about myself that day because the all day long you're getting the opposite message like you need to be smaller you need to lose weight and blah 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 so to we have to really combat that to tell other stories like this one you know totally I and I I like you know there's part of me that's like, I I want to be, the way that I know that I'm not being brave is, is by, um, you know, I want to like spread this message to young girls to, to just like be yourself, be fully, fully yourself. But I'm not okay with myself. Like I'm not okay unless I'm pounds. And if I'm not, then my body is not acceptable and I'm unlovable and, and like unhirable. And, um, that is like a, such a deep belief. And I want at my pounds to just be like, fuck it. I'm healthy yeah. and fine. Yeah. But I can't because Yet. of some insanity. It's really insane and I look at women who are bigger than me who love themselves and I'm like I would fucking kill to be that yeah well I think you know it's I don't I don't know I mean I totally get it and I'm so in the same boat and I like I look at you and you're just like so gorgeous and 
I know that's not that doesn't help anything because I could say that all day at whatever weight you are and it it doesn't help anything with and I because people can say that to me on my worst days and it means nothing unfortunately it just like falls on deaf ears but I will say that like I read this this is not my my quote but I read this like years ago in in something on the internet and it was saying you know those last five pounds or those last 10 pounds, whatever, are actually, you know, the piece of your favorite brownie that your husband brings you home, you know, and that, like, glass of champagne on someone's birthday or that, you know, croissant in Paris or, like, these, your favorite cookies at the holidays or whatever it is, like, those last five pounds are these experiences in life that we don't actually you know, want to miss and we want to actually be a part of. And, you know, those last five pounds are not waking up for that horrible 4 a.m. wake up call for the 5 a.m. or or whatever it is. Like, it's about living life. And, and, you know, this is something I say constantly, but making your life your masterpiece, not your body. And and that's, that's the piece where, like, sometimes I hear that and I so get it and it goes right in and I'm like yeah 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 and there's other times where I totally understand where you are where I'm just like yeah but I don't care I I hate the way I look right now and I hate the way I look in photos and I hate that none of my clothes fit me and I hate the way that I feel right now so I don't care you know and true right like we we we're we're trapped in a system that's still um wants us to be small and and we're in an industry that it's still like it's just true that if you're slimmer you get what you want more it's just fucking true it's and really I think it's I think it's true in every industry to some extent and just in the world people are treated differently people are discriminated against every single day on the basis of size and weight just like they are on race and gender and, and so many issues but this is a human rights issue and I think you know, when I look at this from an activism perspective, when I look at this of like, okay, I can take this on as a social issue and as a radical act, be okay with myself the way I look today and know that like I've been thinner before, I've been heavier before, this is where I'm at today, whatever that is, and I'll probably change, I know I will change again in the future, but this is where I'm at today and being okay with that and being like radically okay with that as a statement of like, this is what I'm doing and I'm not going to let society have control of me. Again, I'm saying all this and like, I don't do this much of the time. What you're saying is exactly what I was, I think I was trying to start saying when I brought up like the numbers, like Mm -hmm. I'm 129 pounds and I'm not okay with being 129 pounds, but like what, that is my, that can be my radical service to womankind to okay with being 129 pounds because it fucking doesn't matter. It doesn't (laughs) matter. And I think it's like when you can do that, it's not just looking at it, like it's not just for you. You know, like, it's not just for you to be okay with, like, this is a radical political act, you know? It shouldn't be. It's fucking crazy that it is, but it is, you know? And, like, looking at it like that has really helped me. It's really, you know, like, looking at it as a, you know, like I said, like a feminist issue and looking at it as a, you know, this sociological problem that we have and, you know, reframing that and getting angry 
yeah. is something that has helped me. But again, depends on the day. And then it's about like not attaching to any certain weight. Like that's something that I'm kind of struggling with now and that I haven't really processed with like I like haven't even like really talked about this with my therapist but here we go <laughs> I'm I'm kind of in this in this space right now where like I've I've gone through this before where like um you know I will be my weight has changed right many 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 times because when you have a disordered relationship with food you're you, you know, your metabolism and, and you get it, Misty, and most of the people listening probably have been through this too. And just like aging, you know, just like being in our 20s and, you know, having our weight fluctuate, right? And like as women. So it's something I've been through before, but that, you know, clothes not fitting um, sensation is so jarring or can be so jarring to me and really take me out that I dread it and I just – it's that stability, you know, it's that I don't really care where my weight is or what I look like. I just want to feel okay. Like I once said to a friend, and this is, you know, the, like from a, um, you know, body image perspective isn't like probably the best way to articulate this, but it wasn't that, you know, and feel, fat is not a feeling, right? Like it's, it's a, it's something that we've like internalized, you know, fat phobic feelings to ourselves but you know I just don't want to feel that because it feels to me super negative and I don't really care what I look like to other people I just for me to feel okay in the world I need to feel like I look okay which is you know not hopefully I'll get to a point where that's not a focus of mine and that's what I'm working towards but I think you know being attached to the weight that I am now is something that's really challenging for me is is practicing that non-attachment because right now I'm okay with where I'm at like I I it took me a long time because I gained a ton of weight from where I was when I was so underweight but I'm finally like all right I'm I'm good here but I I this might change it might not I don't know but it's that that I'm so scared of. Like I'm, I'm clenching to this weight that I'm at because I know what it feels like for it to change. And yeah. I don't want to go through that. But I actually what I really want is for me to go through that or not go through that and be okay either way. Like that's right. the actual thing I should be working towards, you know? I, I totally I, – I get the putting your clothes on. There were – you know, like – for most of my life, every time I put a pair of pants on, I think about, I dread the moment of buttoning my pants because if it's, if they're feeling a little bit too tight, I'm going to feel real bad. And if they're feeling like, um, okay, I'll be like, okay, I'm okay. If they're feeling loose, I'm going to be like ecstatic. And, uh, it's just pants, this, <laughs> pants, pants. Um, but I was going to say something, even something else about that. Like, uh, sorry, I like, totally how do, you. how do, you know, like it amazes me that women can get pregnant and have babies and not, like, I can't even imagine I being know. okay with getting, um, baby fat, like, like ha- having, growing a human inside of me. And having to get fat to grow a human inside of me makes me want to crawl out of my skin. I know. And I think that's so sad. I know. I have that exact same thing, too. 
I have that. I have that too. It's, I think it's good that you said that even, you know, like I, I wrote a, I write this email to my, um, like my newsletter and I talked last week about fear and I just like, I was like, no one asked, but I don't think we talk about our fears enough. And I wrote out all of my fears and like, that was one of them, which like you said, it's really sad. You know, it's really sad that, and it's so ingrained, it's so deep in there for us. And it's something that terrifies me, you know, and I want to let that go. But I think, you know what I, if I'm really honest and what I have to question is like, am I really ready to let it go? You know, like, Mm -hmm. am I really ready to let this go? Or am I holding on to this, this fear, this, you know, wanting this attachment to my physical body? Like, am I, why am I holding on to this so much? And and if I'm like the intuition answer that just came to me right now is like, I think it might be because I don't feel good enough in my other than my physical self self, you know, my, I don't feel smart enough or I don't feel cool enough or I don't feel Mm -hmm. talented enough or creative enough and whatever enough. So, you know, my thing, that was kind of what got me into this mess with mine was that, you know, I didn't feel enough period. So I was like, well, at least I'll make my body really enough. And then I did that and I was like, well, that that, I'm crazy, you know, so that doesn't help. Um, and then now it's kind of like I've I've I have gotten to a place where like I said I'm I'm not perfect for sure but I'm a lot better than I was before with all of that stuff and I'm kind of okay with the fact that no I'm definitely not perfect but I can get through a day not hating myself and I kind of know the formula and kind of get when I get the combination right when I you know do those things those self-care practices you know that we were saying when I'm around the right people, when I'm having good conversations, I cannot think about my body and food at all. And I can be totally cool and it's fine. It's, it's the times when I'm really stressed and I'm really worried and I'm really anxious and I'm overwhelmed with work or whatever, life changes, relationship stuff, whatever. It's those times where I immediately, my default is to turn to food and my body as a coping mechanism, you know? So it's like when everything's great and like wonderful, I can be good, which is a step up, but it's about being able to still be okay even when other things are uncertain, you know? Do you find that is the case kind of in your life? Totally. And and that like the real the the real missing piece of self-care still for me is is the like radical self-love and self-acceptance yeah because like like we talked about before like I can do the drastic lifestyle changes like I can stop drinking and I can stop smoking and I can stop eating and I can stop sugar and I can stop um basically any physical thing I'm incredibly disciplined but I can't stop hating myself and as long as I keep hating myself quitting any of those things isn't really going to fix anything and yeah. so, like, getting them out of the way to see the real truth of where my brain is at has been important, and I'm glad that I've, I'm in that process now. But um, I know, like, food is not the problem, and booze is not the problem, and it's it's a faulty computer wiring, and 
it's, you know, I could blame it on my family or whatever, but I think it's like, it's a kind of an epidemic. It's not kind of, it is an epidemic among women, especially. And, um, we, we just need to help each other, like reprogram this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that I could just pluck it out for you and you could pluck it out for me and we could leave this conversation and you would just love yourself and like see you through my eyes and me too like honestly misty and i know you're not fishing for this and this is not even going to help i hope that this somehow seeps in and you're like porous right now and it just like all gets in but to me you are so cool and beautiful and like you have this air about you i don't even know how to explain it but it's kind of like you're so unique and cool and hip and you have this like you know, I'm this cool artist and like, I don't give an F and I am so, I've got it together. And like, it's so cool that you are so vulnerable with everything that you shared today. And I don't see you any differently, you know, like I, I still see you, you. (laughs) I still see you exactly the same as I did, you know, and not that like everything was a surprise. We had, you know, some of these conversations before, but like, I still see you the same exact way as I did the first day on the beach in your cool, kind of like a wetsuit with a cool zipper swimsuit. You know what I mean? Like, I still see that. And it's so funny that I just wish you could see it, you know? And I wish that it could... I, but I so, like, there's so much of me that wants to be, like, shake you and be like, Misty, don't you see? Who cares about 120? Like, who cares about your weight? Like, who cares about any of this? Like, you're so talented and amazing. And then, but then I know myself and I'm like, oh, well, that wouldn't work if someone did that for me, you know, especially, like, during whatever period of my life when I'm really in it, you know? Whereas, like, right now, I'm not in a period of my life where, like, I'm really in it. I'm, like, knock on wood in an okay place but who knows what tomorrow is gonna bring with it so I so get it I think the it's so interesting I've I've been told uh this a couple of times in a in a a couple days in a row now how I come off um like so confident and and all of these things and like I don't give two fucks um when like nothing could be further from the truth inside I'm like just constantly wrestling with self-worth and um and I I think the gift that we can give each other in that because I think it's that is true for most people um is is the acceptance that you just gave me like you're we're all so vulnerable and so broken and so whole and so and we're like all all of the things and letting each other be all of the things is like the the biggest gift because I don't I don't want to have to have it together all the time yeah and I um that's exhausting for for anyone and boring and, and boring totally like it and not that we should like only connect over our misery uh but like i i I wish that um that more people would let all of their colors show um it's it's a huge relief to everybody (laughs) yeah i think you know all people want is to be seen and to be seen as what we really are 
And so, and then all people, like all I, I want from the thing that, the people that I love are so real, you know, like when, yeah. and I can tell when people aren't being real and I can, I feel so terrible when I'm not being real with other people. I feel almost hungover after experiences I've had when, and, and that came up actually, interestingly enough, a lot for me in Hawaii where like, I felt like I was, this is super vulnerable, I was around you guys and you were all like so talented and you're all artists and you know when I'm talking about you and Jess who we mentioned and you know Pete and Val and I'm around all of these fantastic beautiful people who are so talented and I was so in my head of like what do I even have to share? Am I being real? Am I cool enough? Am I smart enough? Am I in the group? You know, like, and it brought up so many feelings of like middle school being, um, you know, left out or not invited to the birthday party or whatever. And it was just, yeah, it was an adult way of kind of wrestling with that thing in my mind again of, of, wait, no, it's okay, you can be here, you can take up space, and then now that we're having this conversation now, and the more one-on-one conversations I had with you and, and with everyone that, that we were hanging out with, I realized that it wasn't just me that felt that way. We all kind of did, weirdly, which was such an eye-opening thing for me because these people that I, again, put on a pedestal and really admired were feeling just as insecure as I was, which was crazy. And so I think if we can all... Or more so. Or more so. <laughs> it's so it's so crazy. And I feel like if we can just all in our minds know that like, you know, actually, this is something that, you know, Jack, our friend Jack. Yeah. He said, I was like explaining to him this exact thing one day on the beach. And he said to me, he was like, you know, Katie, well, I was going to try to do an Australian accent, but I can't do it. So <laughs> just pretend this isn't an Australian oh. accent. Um, okay. But basically he was like, you know, Katie... If you're, don't worry about that because everybody else is too worried about themselves and they're thinking about if they're, like, okay, that they don't have time to, like, worry about you. <laughs> and that was, like, the most liberating thing for me. I was like, yeah, if they're thinking half as much about themselves as I'm thinking about if I'm okay, then, like, they, yeah, they have no time to be thinking about me. They're not worried, <laughs> you know, and, and it just kind of, it helps a little bit for a while. <laughs> It helps a lot, I'm, and I think something that's been so great about um, working with famouses is that I've been freed up from thinking that they're not human just like the rest of us. And if anything, they're even like even more um, like insecure insecure and self-sabotage like all all of us like we're all the same the whether you're working at the post office or you're george clooney we're all the same yeah and that can it's so um it's so liberating and, and maybe a little bit heartbreaking at the same time um but like it's so interesting to hear you say that when like you've written a book and you've like you're so gorgeous and you've like you have this mind that works I haven't felt this like ease in a in conversation and I don't know how long and like you have this 
like we're all so creative and gifted in whatever capacity we were like put on this earth to be and it's it doesn't make sense to me why we um why we hurt ourselves by like thinking that everybody else in the room is better yeah that that comparison man it's it's crazy do you do you find that like another thing I want to talk about because after Hawaii you were headed to Nashville to record your album and I would love to hear more about that but I I want to know like with this stuff that we're talking about about not feeling good enough and about um body image and all of these things getting back to kind of your career and, and your story do you feel like where are you now with, you know, these new kind of struggles coming back and channeling that into your art? Do you feel like it's something that you're... Because sometimes I find for me there's there's kind of two ways that, that I can handle it. And I don't know if you've seen this TED Talk. I forget who... Or it might not be a TED Talk. It might I think it's actually a graduation speech that I watched on YouTube. But basically what the guy's saying is, you know, with everything that comes, every kind of struggle make good art, you know? So his whole thing is like, your dog gets run over by a car, make good art. You you lose your job, make good art. You get divorced, make good art, like over and over and over again. And I related to that. I I found, you know, that that made a lot of sense. But then at the same time, I was like, sometimes I'm so in it that I don't have anything in me, kind of like what you were saying earlier, like you just didn't after that hypnosis session, you don't have it in you. But what helps me in those instances Sometimes there's, like, two options. I can either make good art from two options, two productive options. Of course, there's, like, the coping options that aren't productive, which sometimes I do, and a lot of times I do, and it's not great, but I'm trying to be gentle with myself, blah, blah, blah. But the two good options are either make good art, make art, or use other people's art that's already been made that can make you feel less alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that can also be equally as healing. So anyway, I just wanted to like share that, but I want to like give you, I want to hear like all your thoughts and feelings on, on that and kind of like where you are with that now and all of it. Totally. It was, it was so amazing to go into the studio um, after the Ram Dass retreat, like with all of this love feelings and also kind of with all the tragedy that's happened in the couple past couple of years, like a new kind of abandon and a new kind of like, oh, now is the time. Like there's no more time to waste uh, being um, like, oh, I can't do that. Like, like I can do it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to go and dig really deep and just like be, I'm going to go make something out of the depths of my heart out of pure love and pure hate and pure all of the things and um and just like honestly do my best and and I I don't think I had ever done that in in my work before I always held a little bit back because like being afraid of my own capacity and also like not wanting to be totally honest and not um not uh, getting in in touch with what it means to truly love, and not just in a romantic way, but like really want to serve other people. I, I've never, um, I've never come at 
making work to for it to be so much for others like I did with this album mm. and just like it's this is an offering um and and in doing so it really healed me and um and I, th- I feel like it helped me work harder and dig deeper when it wasn't just, like, me trying to prove something. Um, it, w- it was me just trying to express something and, and like, really believe that what I have to express is worth putting out into the world. Um, and there's songs on the record that are, like, a 100% just, like, here's the situation, here's... <laughs> Here's a song about a guy killing himself, um, and it wasn't—it um, wasn't hard to write that song because I—I don't have really a censor um, when it comes to writing. It's just pure cathartic. Um, but it was really hard to sing that song um, in the studio and and be vulnerable and, and honest and. Um, and I was just like, well, I just got to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> do you think performing it will be even more vulnerable? Um, I don't think so because past past the writing and recording process, performing kind of takes on a life of its own in a way, and um, I'm able to sort of dig into the like technical side of making music um and I don't really think a whole lot about what I'm singing it's more like how does this vowel sound or how does it feel in my body and where am I feeling it in my body and like kind of more connecting to those physical things that keep me um like tethered in in the moment cool Um, yeah that makes sense and I feel like that's that helps me be more of a transmuting antenna for other people's experience if I'm not so caught up in my own experience of the song I can just be like the the uh little uh like coat hanger on top of the tv Mm. (laughs) yeah so where are you with the album now like when will it be out what are you working on now are you still working on production of it what are you kind of working on presently well it's done um and i'm just sending it to all my friends and everybody i know and trying to get a team behind it to put it out um i i've done the thing before where i just self-release and i i will do that again if like i can't get a label behind it but i really i would like more of a machine behind this one um because i I think it's my best work, and I, I don't want to see it just flop out on SoundCloud. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to hear it and to hear the label and have everyone hear it. It's so, so, so exciting. I Do you think now with the stress of that, of, you know, you made this amazing thing, and now this work, you know, needs to get shared and I know it will because hopefully we live in a meritocracy and and hopefully people you know obviously they will and and everyone who who you know will benefit which is everyone from this album will get to hear it and see it but um how do like how are you handling that 
pressure? Like, is do you think that's why some of your body image and food stuff has resurfaced in the last couple weeks and months? I think the body stuff more resurfaced while I was on tour um, and, like, being on stage in a way that I wasn't used to being on stage and um, and just, like, a really hectic, crazy travel schedule. That was more inflaming to the... Um, yeah to the eating disorder than than this and if anything um this making this record and and having this body of work now is helping me feel like um I've done and I'm doing something that I'm on this earth to do and I think getting connected to your purpose is a big deal when like dealing with any kind of addiction um and the frustrating part with it is just knowing what's going to ha- like not knowing what's going to happen with it or knowing if I can make something, you know, like can I get on a big tour opening for a, a great artist so that I can actually get in front of people. So people actually know about the album. Like, can I get anybody interested in wanting to work with me like a manager or a label? Like that part is really stressful. And, um, but I, I have this like kind that that don't give a shit um vibe is is definitely stronger in me now I really don't give a shit and I'm able to put myself out there more than I ever have um which is cool but that still might not mean anything comes from it and I just have to kind of (laughs) like um accept that well, I think it's about, like, unattachment, you know, like, that, or non-attachment. Like, that was kind of the case for, well, whenever anything good, any, you know, small amount of success I've had has been when I wasn't trying, you know? Like, right. when I didn't care if the book got published, it got published, and then that was what happened with that, you know? And it was always when I stopped trying to clinch, I think that's when, you know, the universe response to that sort of energy because it's so you know just like in a relationship it's so uncool that person that's like constantly calling and constantly like nobody wants to hang out with that person you know the universe doesn't want to fulfill those person's dreams it wants the person who like plays it cool and is like I'm okay either way you know and it sounds like you're in like such a good place with all of that but I would love to go back to talking about touring because for me as someone who's you know, in the Midwest and doesn't really know much about the industry and you've worked with some like really cool projects. Um, can you talk about some of them and, you know, the challenges of touring, but also some of the beautiful moments of touring? Cause I'm sure there's some of those as well. And, you know, how, what is it actually like and what, you know, how intense is it? I'm sure it's different from, you know, artist to artist, but you were most recently with Borns, and that was right before, like, up until I met you in Hawaii, like, just mm-hmm. last year? hmm Wow. Yeah, we, we wrapped up the album cycle in October, and we were on tour for 13 months straight, pretty much. Oh, my goodness. It was, like, it was really exciting because to be a part of something that, like, I got to watch blow up in front of my eyes, and... You know, when I started touring with him, we were in a van and trailer and um, play like without a single day off. And then by the end, you know, we were on a bus and things were a little bit, um, I wouldn't say cushier, but it was, it was, it was a little bit cushier. 
Um, still a really hectic schedule the whole time. Um, and, you know, I got to go see places that I never dreamed I'd yeah. see. Like, what were all the cities yeah. that you went to? Like Bucharest was amazing and Prague and, and we went we played in Moscow, which was one of my favorite shows. It was so great and so cool. um, like we went to Australia, we went to we played every American city, some more than once, um, some more than five times. Um, did almost every, you know, big music festival, both here and overseas um so I got to like check off a lot of like life goal lists you know at least from a um, musician standpoint like okay played Coachella know what that's like um the the irony is that like a lot of these things that we hold up on a pedestal kind of going back to what you were saying earlier it's like once you get in there you're like oh that's just that this is just another day and that's just another human and this is just another show and so some of the biggest ones can feel like that and then some of the really small ones that you're not expecting are like super special like that this show in Moscow is like I, I never really had an interest in going to Russia I never thought it'd be something that I did and I didn't think that even when I knew I was gonna go there I wasn't like that interested in it I'm, I'm not sure why but once we got over there it was incredible the whole experience just blew me away and the audience was so amazing and the vibe that they gave us like was it was like a life-changing show and it was to you know 500 people or something in a pretty small club maybe not even 500 people it was like a pretty tiny thing but it felt so big whereas like Coachella felt like whatever it's so funny um but you know the schedule and all that traveling is really a grind and um it's way more boring than people would think it's a lot of it's a lot of sitting around and moving objects and non-moving objects and dressing rooms and like just waiting for sound check and then waiting for the show and then waiting for the plane and then waiting for the bus and then waiting for like just so much time alone with your own thoughts. That's what tour is. <laughs> it sounds so glamorous, you know, and from the outside looks so glamorous. So it's, it's, and a lot of the people listening, like me, might have no, ex, you know, firsthand accounts of it like we're getting right now. So I think that's really valuable. And, you know, it, did it feel like camp? Like, did you feel like you probably got super close with everyone who, you were with you played keyboards and sang with them right so yeah um was everyone you know how did you feel really close with them or did you kind of um you know did you have a lot of alone time too it's interesting like we all got really we all everybody on the tour was so amazing very sweet everybody's super sweet and we did get to know each other pretty well like i'd consider them family and also like I don't know them very much at all at the same time and it's it's a really interesting dichotomy um because at once you're like it's work but you're friends and they're not you know especially in a situation like that where it's like hired we're all all the musicians playing with Garrett are hired 
um, we're not a band that like started up together from when we were kids. So um, we wouldn't necessarily otherwise have chosen to like spend so much time together, but we, that we just found it's like, it, it, it totally is like a family. Like you don't yeah. like you're born into a family and you're just like, okay, you're the people that I'm, you're, that I'm learning how to live with. And sometimes it goes great and sometimes it doesn't. In this case, it went great. But I also like, we haven't hung out at all since we've been back in LA. Right. So it's, um, it's a really fascinating thing. I still don't, I can't wrap my head around um, the entertainment industry relationship vibe. Yeah. Especially in LA. It's very different here than it was in New York and, and the way I'm used to making music in the past. Yeah. Why did you want to move to LA? Basically to do what I'm doing, which I, you know, more like... Um, more big pop tours are put together here. And since my day job essentially has been like playing keyboard and singing backup for other artists, I thought like, well, I can just make more money, you know, in LA and get on bigger tours. And that, that essentially is what has happened. Um, I, and also like, I wanted to be a little bit closer to my family. They're all in New Mexico. Um, and I love the songwriter stuff that's happening out here, like Dawes and Blake Mills, and I wanted to be closer to that. And that that's been really cool because I I now um, have met those guys and and know them a little bit, and so it's been fun to like, you know, literally see like what I intended to accomplish when I came out here like happen. It's so cool. It's so cool. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. What's your yeah. favorite? part of living in LA and and being a musician and they those can be totally separate or combined well I love the weather you would be insane to not love the weather I love the weather I love being close to the ocean and I started surfing a little bit so that's cool um I I love like I said the singer songwriter um a lot of the singer-songwriter stuff that's happening out here. Um, so that's been cool to be to be a little bit closer to that. Yeah. Um, and just a li- like a lifestyle um, improvement, like tenfold from coming from New York. You know, you sit immediately your quality of life goes up moving to L.A. Yeah. So for me, selfishly, what was the best part of living in New York? And, like, what were some of the things that you loved about your time there? Well, I love – the energy is so kinetic. And and I learned so much so fast about what I wanted and didn't want, um, musically speaking. And, you know, you can go – you can walk anywhere you can walk like I really miss like just walking down the street to get to a bodega to get like a bottle of water and then like on the way past the thing and just like pop in that store you can't do that in LA you have to like it's so destination heavy um but you can just like wander around more in New York I love the food scene there I I miss those days in the fall that would would just be like the perfect temperature and the gods would just be smiling down on you and 
like you you pay your dues so hard in New York then when, that when you get like one good day every six months it's heaven on earth <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah what would you say to a young musician who wants to perform and you know do what you're doing essentially what advice would you give them I think like just try just play just find find people to play with um in any way you can like um I I started I, I got on Craigslist and just auditioned for a bunch of stuff and went to a bunch of open mics and music venues and hung around and met people and um you're gonna probably go through a lot meeting a lot of weirdos but eventually you find your people and once you find your people musically like the whole world changes and it's really exciting Mm, I love that what are some people right now some musicians some I think you mentioned some in LA or just in general right now that you think that people should check out that I should check out or know about or um you know things that that you love that are new and then also maybe just things that kind of inspire you or inspire your work other other people or people who you'd even like to work with or play with well I I just um discovered this guy Didi Dumbo he's an Australian uh guy super cool music like electronic it it sounds like Jeff Buckley singing over like electronica whoa cool how do you spell that it's D period D Dumbo, like cool. that. Cool. Yeah, he's super cool. Um, I'm really into the new Jim James record. Um, I love uh, I love Blake Mills, basically anything he does. Um, and who else am I listening to? I, you know, I've been become obsessed with my Spotify my discover weekly me too it's so good so great they're I feel like so I'm, good at curating for us they really are shout out to spotify feel free to sponsor the podcast i love discover <laughs> yes. weekly <laughs> please sponsor this podcast <laughs> yeah that's so funny i know it is i find such good things through that yeah yeah whatever algorithm they're using is really working for them it's really working. It make I I haven't been this excited about discovering new music since I was a teenager. I feel right? like it totally reignited my like love affair with music. It's like remember when someone really cool would give you a mix CD and you would yeah. like be so excited to listen to all the songs and then like name them in your iTunes, you know? Totally. Like that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Oh, um Andy Schaff Everybody go listen to Andy Schaff, especially if you like kind of melancholic, sad music. Yes. He is incredible. His last name is spelled S-C-H-A-U-F, I think. I'm so excited. Um, That is like my genre of choice, melancholy, sad music. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's incredible. He's, He's a visionary. Oh, cool. I just got so many things to listen to. It's going to make my Discover Weekly even better next week. Yeah. That's amazing. So do you have, what is kind of your biggest goal with your art, with your creativity right now? Like, do you, is there someone that you're, or, you know, 
a venue or something that you're dying to, you know, work with? Or, you know, are you really hoping to focus more on your solo work and, and elevating that? Like, what is what it, what are kind of like some things you want to I, what I love about this podcast is it's kind of like a moment in time where, like, you know, this is going to be out there on the Internet, hopefully forever, and we're going to be friends forever because, you know, <laughs> I've just decided that. And you're probably going to do this pod. You're definitely going to do this podcast again in two years and five years and one year and, you know, who knows, maybe, like, next month. But, like, today, what do you want to put out there to the universe is, like, this is what I want to say that I want to be doing in, in this moment. I really I want to put out this record and tour on it and open for a band that I love and and be able to like take my own band out on the road. Um, that's really my goal for 2017. And um, I yeah I, I just got chills. <laughs> Me too because I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna get to see you perform and I'm gonna be cheering in whatever city I'm in and. It's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait. So I'm holding that vision, and I cannot wait to hear this new album and see you perform Yay. it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, how? what are some of your self-care rituals? You mentioned a bunch of them, but what are if you had to choose, like, three that, that are really important to you that you really stick with that you want to share? I'd say um, meditation, journal writing, and exercise are my top three. Oh, cool. So as you know, my, my book is, is about journaling. Have you always been a journaler as a, as a songwriter? Um, does that play in? Do you do kind of like Julia Cameron style morning pages? What is your journaling practice like? Yeah, I always had a journal from a, from a very young age. Uh, basically since I learned how to write, I kept a journal and, um, and then when I read the artist's way, then it became more, of a stream of consciousness thing and now it's a bit of a muddle of both like jab some song lyrics in there I don't do the full three pages I'll just do like one page of of stream of consciousness or just to like I'd like to just like write something every day and sometimes three pages feels a little overwhelming and yeah and do it at all so um I try to keep it simple now but yeah, I, I'm a believer in, in journaling, and I kept a journal on the road this year, and I'm so glad I did because I have been able to go back and be like, wow, that's what I was thinking? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of meditation do you do? Is that different every day, or do you do a certain kind? I'm still sort of experimenting with what works with meditation. I have been doing it consistently now for about a year, but I go back. Um, I'll do like just breath work, just like focusing on the breath at the nostrils. That that seems to be um, my my go-to these days. Or I'll uh, I like to do some Deepak Chopra um, guided meditations. I've found some other guided meditations online and um, Sharon Salzberg's Loving Kindness Meditation that we got from the Ram Dass oh, yeah. one. Um, but we love yeah. her in this family. family. <laughs> yes. Um, loving Kindness has really been beneficial for me, I think. I wanted um, to mention earlier, too, the practice that we did 
there that was so powerful, the just like me meditation. I think um, when we were talking about, you know, you working with a lot of famous people and being around them and realizing, you know, essentially that, like just like me. And then you shared with me the last time I was in LA a couple weeks ago that you did that with your mom. Can you tell us about that a little bit about that experience at least and just kind of just what that particular meditation meant to you and I'll just explain it quickly for for people listening essentially when we were at the retreat they had us do this with a stranger we we all did it with strangers where you looked into their eyes and they read off all of these you know, really beautiful statements like this person is sometimes grumpy, just like me. This person is hungry, just like me. This person will die, just like me. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, it was it was. What was your experience like with that? And and you also took it home. Can you just like talk about that a little bit? My experience with that at the retreat was was earth shattering. Um, I did it with a total stranger and. You know, we looked into each other's eyes for eight minutes and rattled off all those things. And I realized for the first time that I was afraid of death because that was the I started crying when they when she rattled off the this person will die just like me. And I had never, ever, ever thought about that. Wow. Um, And uh, I realized looking into the stranger's eyes like how it just like was a flood of compassion and love for just all of humanity. When you're looking in the eyes, it feels like you're looking into a portal of that connects us all to the same machine. Um, and I really felt that and felt so connected to this guy after, um, after not having known him. Um, and doing it with my mom was like, uh, it was so much harder to um, strip away what I know about her and what I and our dynamic um, and just see her as a human being um, without the storyline. Um, so that was it was different. It was like I didn't get the high that I got from doing it with a stranger, doing it with my mom, but I got some really good work done. (laughs) You know, it was like, wow, I don't, um, like, how, look at how my story about my mom dehumanizes her. Um, And that sucks for both of us. It doesn't give her the freedom and space to be who she is. Um, it doesn't allow me to be who I am. It sort of traps us in this like um, this role-playing game that neither one of us want to be in. And so um, I wish that I could be around her every day and do that exercise with her every day and get better at it. Wow. Yeah, that you're my hero for trying and even doing it, you know, the one time. It that's so I told you that when you told me that that is a total goal and something that that I think is yeah, it's really challenging, but 
important and powerful and I think our relationships with our parents and you know just in general are so complicated with you know people we know so that contrast of hearing you talk about doing it with a stranger to doing it with someone you're literally probably the closest with of of Mm -hmm. anyone ever because you like lived inside her body you know and like have had this you know tumultuous relationship it's it's so brave of you to even go there well it was brave of her too to 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 um allow it you know because it's not her thing you know she she she's um an evangelical Christian and comes from a totally different world um, than I do right now. And, and she allowed for that, which I think speaks to her um, fortitude and also desperation. I think we're, we were both feeling very desperate to connect. Mm. And um, so I'm really thankful to her for even trying with me. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for letting me, giving yeah. me a space. Yeah. Okay, so these are kind of lighter, but these are the questions that um, are kind of quick-fire questions. So just kind of say the first couple of things that come to your mind, and yeah, let's just let's just burn through these questions. So burn them. What are your morning routines? So maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning, and how does that affect how the rest of your day goes? Well, first thing when I wake up, I panic about my day. <laughs> no, um, I, um, I try to get some kind of meditation in, some kind of exercise, and breakfast. Cool. What are your evening routines? Like the last few things you do when you're winding down? How do you relax at the the end of a day? Um, another meditation. I like to make some. I've been lately making um, like a goat's milk concoction before bed. Oh, nice. Um, and just the standard like brush the teeth, change the clothes, uh, get, in, get into bed. I, I've stopped like watching TV or being on my phone at all at night, which has really helped. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Favorite fruit and favorite vegetable? Favorite fruit is probably blueberries favorite vegetable um squash yum i want both of those things right now maybe even together (laughs) (laughs) what is the best thing that you've eaten in the last week oh well i um made this really yummy quinoa bean uh uh like thing with my friend's um uh indian spice mix that he made and it was ridiculously good was it like a curry situation of spice yeah like a dry curry yeah nice oh i could go for some of that right now (laughs) um what is the greatest lesson you've learned about family um that it's important to stop wanting people to change Mm. and just loving each other for who we are. That's such a good one. What about romantic relationships? Same. (laughs) I was going to say that seems pretty universal what you just shared. Yeah. Just love, just 
just love each other, man. Yeah. <laughs> love everyone, right? Love everyone. What is your what do you do when you're having a you know, either a bad body image moment or just a shitty day in general? What are some of your go to things to that you, when you remember to do that's the key, make you feel better? What are kind of your go to things to shift you out of it? Well, um, actually, my hypnotherapist just uh, recommended this thing that I've been doing the last couple of days that works so well. Ooh, yay. So Give it to I me. I recommend everybody go get yourself some sesame oil or your favorite kind of oil, but something um, that will not make you break out. And you get in front – after you take a shower, get in front of the mirror and with the oil, rub your face and say, I love my beautiful face. And then rub your body and like, I love my beautiful tits. And like, I love my beautiful arms. I love my beautiful belly. I love my beautiful legs. I love my beautiful butt. And you're like rubbing each one of these places. And it, it feels so good. Mm. You will love yourself. Oh, I love that. That's great. Um, where are you with spirituality, God, what happens when we die, all of, all of that? You said you grew up Christian, super Christian. Now you seem to be super open and super spiritual, kind of where, I know it's a huge question to ask at the end, but, you know, where kind of are you with all of that now? Um, I'm at a still, like, open place. I don't, I think because of my, um, background growing up Christian, I'm um, hyper vigilant of being um, tied down to any one thing. Um, so, but like, I'm very much a person of like, whatever works for you, do that. Because I think I believe in the brain and I believe in science a lot. And I believe in like the placebo effect. And I, ha I think that Pretty much whatever you decide is going to work is going to work. Yes. So. I'm so on the same page with that. Yeah. I say that all the time. I was, like, just having that conversation with someone, like, when it comes to, like, holistic healing, you know? Like, if you believe that supplements and green juice is going to heal you, it probably will. If you believe that, you know, antidepressants and medicine will, then that probably will. It doesn't really matter, but it just matters what you believe about it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. So you're going to create your, I, this is like, you know how people do, um, like fantasy football, you're creating your ideal girl band. So what is your fantasy girl band? You can have like five people in it. Who would it be? Oh my God. My fantasy girl band. Well, Lady Gaga, uh, Lady Gaga is <laughs> the first one. <laughs> Um, I don't know what she would play necessarily because she can do everything, but um, she's well, in. She's in. Who else? Wow, this is hard. Your first love, Mariah Carey. Would she make the cut? <laughs> no, not 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 anymore. Not anymore. She's um, after that. After after New Year's, she's off. Oh the team. yeah, I forgot about that. Um, probably uh. Gwen Stefani. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You remind me of her. Oh, my God. You just made my whole day. You so do. Oh, my gosh. No, you have, like, a similar energy to her. And I oh, love God. her. I and love you. her so much. Um, Sarah Bareilles. 
Um, was she super cool to work with? She is the best. Aww, she seems she, really cool. She's so cool and so talented and so she's like, she's just love, love juice, that Aww. woman. Oh, that's so good. That's so nice to hear about someone who seems that way. It's so glad it's nice when they actually are. Yeah, it's pretty rare. She's a rare bird. Oh, that's great. Um, Makes sense. She appears that way. One more. Let me give one more. Uh, Girl power. Girls, 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 girls. Emily Haynes from Metric. Oh, cool. Metric's so cool. Yeah. That's a pretty dope band. It's a dope band. Yeah. That Maybe show would be insane. That Sarah's the only brunette. I'm sorry. She could dye her hair. Yeah, she could dye her hair. Cool. I would totally see that show. Okay, so this question I got from The Artist's Way but and Julia Cameron. But if you could have five alternative lives, what would they be? And you did The Artist's Way, so you might remember, but just what comes to mind now. Uh, number one, like backup dancer for like a big pop tour, like Michael Jackson style. Cool. Um, two, maybe like a marine biologist. Oh, nice. Or somebody gets to like dive in the ocean a lot. Yeah, you love snorkeling. The first day we met, I remember like we were on the beach and you were out snorkeling for so long. You like went so far out. <laughs> yeah, man, I was I was into it. So I love it. I love the ocean. It's my happy place. Um, uh, wow, what else would I be? Professional surfer. Nice. I would be a surfer who owns a coffee shop. Ooh, that would be a dope life. That would be a dope, like, on Maui. Yes. I would just live there with you. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, uh, Maybe like a, a string theorist, <laughs> like go to get my PhD in string theory and just like talk about the, the way the brain works and how um, spirituality can be proven by science. Oh, cool. That would be uh, dope too. Yeah. I'm not quite smart enough to do that, but this is dreamland, so that's fine. <laughs> yes. And also, yes, you are. <laughs> but sure. <laughs> Um, and maybe, like, a novelist and who lives in the south of France is my other. Nice. Number five. Nice. Okay, so speaking of um, islands, you're trapped on a deserted island, and you can only bring with you one book, one movie, one piece of music to listen to, um, and one person to go with you. Who would you bring? What would you do? Go. Okay. Well, I would bring the book. Um, wow. The Mists of Avalon. I would bring the movie Amelie. I would bring the piece of music. Wow. Uh, uh, OK Computer by Radiohead, that album. If, can I bring a whole album? Yes. OK, OK Computer. I'll allow it. Um, I'll, I'll bring my friend Lyra Lynn. I think she's my soulmate. Mm. Um, and what was the other thing? Food. Oh, that you food. wouldn't get sick of. 
that I wouldn't get sick of? Uh, chicken wings. Nice. So you got to recommend kind of some things through there, but any other, like a book, a movie, um, something that you've seen or read recently, you already gave a bunch of great suggestions for music, but you know, another podcast you listened to, um, this is kind of the time to just like recommend things that, that you want people to know about even like a Uh, quote or idea or a city. Well, I recommend everybody go to Eastern Europe. It's highly underrated. So go to Bucharest and like eat dumplings. Cool. I want to go. I want to go with you. (laughs) Yeah, we should all go um, and go to all the churches. There's so many tiny, cool churches there. And, and the churches there is so fascinating because the way, the, the, the way that they depict the saints reminds me a lot of Hinduism. And it like, it really helped me see like, Oh my God, all of this is the same. It's like coming. Anyway, um, books. I have been really into Richard Browdigan lately. He was one of the like lesser known beat poets and his poetry is hilarious and heartbreaking. Um, Wait, what's his name? Say that again. Richard Browdigan. Uh, B-R-A-U-G-H? I'll give it a Google. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird one. Um, I, I'm always reading some kind of self-help book. So um, the one I'm reading right now is called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And oh, it's, that's such a good one. I think, I think, it, I think that's, a, that's good. That's good. So, some good truth. Yeah. Um, Have you read You Are a Badass? Sorry to interrupt you, but... Yes, I loved that book. Wasn't that one good? I I just always think that, like, if people are inclined to self-help, I like to at least recommend that one because I feel like it's such a catch-all for everything I've read in the last, like, five years. She, like, summarized it all really nicely. She really did summarize, like, about 20 years' worth of psychology. Yeah, she really kind of, like, tied it all up with a bow. I kind of wish I would have started there. Yeah. It's, yeah, great book. Yeah. Okay, I interrupted your flow. I think you're going to say something else, maybe movie or um, I'm really, yeah, podcasts. I, I really love Pete's podcast and Duncan Trussell. And um, I've been listening to this guy, the Rich Roll podcast, actually, yeah. from, uh, from hearing him be a guest on Pete Holmes's show. Um, he gets a little bit for people with eating disorders. I think it's kind of a dangerous one because he's so hyper vegan. Yeah, I think um, can get a little. Some of the people on his show can be a little. They like they don't get the um, emotional psychological side of eating sometimes. So be careful with that one. But yeah. but sometimes just the information is really helpful and also the entrepreneurial spirit of like. Um, you know, if you want something, you just have to do the hard work. I've been into hearing people talk about that, and he and he does. So um, I like that podcast. Yeah, that was the first podcast I ever listened to, like in 2013. When that oh. made me want to start mine. Rich yeah. Rolls? Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. He was, like, he was actually in Hawaii in, like, a yurt, and he started it, and it was, like, really tiny then – and I was like, yeah, I could do that. I could, like, Skype with people in, in my house and, and record it. And I started to do it, and, and here we are. 
Wow. Thank you, Ritual. But then, you know, I have to be very weird. I was, like, very vegan-y at that time myself and um, am not now. But there were there were just some guests where I'm just like, and I'm getting 15 second forward or I, I can't with this one. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, tread lightly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I actually had his wife, um, Julie Pyatt, who I love. She was one of my first podcast guests. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's real cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Anything else? What about, have you seen any good movies lately or any movies that you want to recommend? Uh, I thought La La Land was really good. So good. Oh, my it's gosh. So I yeah. want to see it like 10 more times. It was so good. Um, other than that, I've been, I haven't, um, because of my sort of like soul quest, I haven't been watching TV or seeing too many movies this last year. So I feel a little bit out of the loop with that stuff. But um, but I did see La La Land and I thought it was great. And that's that means I feel I'm really picky about music. And I feel like the way that they use music, um, like for being a modern musical, it was so well done. Oh, so well. cool. That's cool to hear from your perspective because I loved it, but I don't have any in like i'm not a musician so that's cool Um, yeah cool well the name of this podcast is let it out do you feel misty like you let it all out is there anything else that you want to let out that you wish that i would have asked you that you want to ask the listeners or me or what how are you feeling (laughs) i feel great i feel like i really did get to let it all out and I just, I'm so thankful that you're doing this and that you're a voice out in the world and that you give voice to other people and you've helped me have a, a voice in this way and and I hope to all your listeners that they like, um, you know, that we all just like are able to step into our own skin and really be and really like show up for each other in this time, especially these days. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so important right now and always. And I'm just so happy that you did the podcast and that other people can hear, you know, what I hear having you as a friend now, um, that you're so awesome and talented and real and vulnerable. And I just am so excited for people to connect with you. So tell us, you'll keep us posted on when your album is out and how people can come and see you and support you and follow you and be friends with you on all of the social medias and um anything that you will talk before this comes out when it's a little closer but anything you want to like plug or promote or have people find you um just they everybody can find me um at mistyboyce.com and i'm mistyboyce on twitter and on instagram and uh i don't um yeah, hopefully just like the album will be coming out this year and just keep an eye out for it. And um, I'll keep you posted on everything you follow me on too. So, and all the links will be in the show notes. But yeah, just watch Misty closely because she's not messing around. <laughs> she's so <laughs> talented and cool, which obviously people know because they just spent two hours and 19 minutes with her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Misty as much as I did. She's the real deal. Tweet at her, tweet at me if you are still listening right now because 
I'm really grateful that you're still listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you feel less alone. And before I tell you what emoji to tweet at us, first I'm going to quickly shout out our sponsors again. Thank you so much, FreshBooks, for sponsoring the podcast. We love you. If you want to organize your finances, use, use FreshBooks. They're amazing. We love them. Go to freshbooks.com slash let it out. That's freshbooks.com slash let it out. And tell them in the how did you hear about us section that let it out sent you. That's me. That's this podcast. That'd be so nice. Also, try out CW Hemp. We love CW Hemp. I'm a big fan of the olive oil flavor. A lot of other people are really big fans of the mint chocolate chip flavor. You know, you do you. I'm not a big mint person, but most people are. It just makes me feel calm. It gives me kind of a a body high. It's not a, you know, high, high in your mind at all. It's just in your body and it helps relax you, gives you a sense of calm, reduces exercise-induced inflammation, and it actually increases your focus. So if you want to feel more calm, if you want to feel more focused, if you just want to feel better, try CW Hemp. And to do that, make sure you get 10% off by using the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's 10% off using the code LETITOUT for Charlotte's Web. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much for still listening. Tweet at Misty. Tweet at me the emoji for this week's episode, which is the mushroom emoji. We love the mushroom emoji. This was a request from our amazing show producer, Amanda. So tweet at all of us the mushroom emoji, and I will talk to you guys next week. Love you. Bye.